and worship Wednesday night. If you have never been to a Wednesday night prayer and worship time, you should come check it out. We have a lot of fun. Uh, Friday night, we have two sessions left of the healing class. So this Friday, um, the topic is words of knowledge for healing. I just put two of the takeaways. There's about five things. I thought, well, I should put a couple in there because, well, the first one just, I didn't want to just leave it at that. But the first takeaway that I put up was, while we want to be specific in our delivery of a word of knowledge, it is important not to interject information that is from us rather than from God. So if you don't know what a word of knowledge is, that's when, I mean, oftentimes for healing, a word of knowledge can be, um, in a meeting like this, you would, first of all, you would check your body at, at the door, basically. Not at the door, but you know. Okay, I came in, I don't have any pain. My body, you know, maybe I had a, a, an ongoing foot pain or something. But typically, none of us come in with pain, you would hope. And then in the meeting, if God was to give you a word of knowledge for somebody, you might start to feel a heat or a, a highlight or a radiating of any kind of like a pain could be pain um, let's say your left shoulder or right elbow or right knee maybe you're seeing something you know you're worshiping and you, you're seeing a kidney or you're seeing a lower back like an x-ray it could be all kinds of ways God speaks to us you know God will just the Spirit of God will project something to you in your in your spirit and sometimes that's like the screen of your mind when you have your eyes closed you know and you, you can kind of I mean, if we closed your eyes right now and you're like, okay, everyone just picture in your mind a purple frog. So you could kind of see what that would look like, right? Hey, there he is. <laughs> He's like, don't embarrass me. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, it's a small crowd tonight, so we're going to embarrass each other all night long. <laughs> so if you know what I mean by, by using your imagination to, to picture something. So that's the same place where God will often speak to us. He will give you a picture. Or maybe you're just um, reminded of something, like a scripture that you're reminded of. There's just different ways. God's uh, first language is not English. Just so you know, in case you were, were wondering, his number one language is not English. In fact, the language of the Spirit is often pictures or impressions, and sometimes it's the, the still, small voice. Sometimes for people, it's that loud, audible voice. They feel like they heard someone standing right next to them and there was nobody there. God can speak in all kinds of ways. So words of knowledge for healing often will be a, a sensation of pain in a certain part of your body. And in that, in that instance, you would take that opportunity in a gathering like this and say, um, does anyone in the room have an injury with their left elbow? I feel like the Lord is highlighting an injury or pain in the left elbow. If that's you, why don't you stand up? And then if, it's, if God was actually giving a word of knowledge regarding left elbow pain, that person would stand up and God would heal it. You wouldn't even have to lay hands on them. Oftentimes a word of knowledge, God uses that just to highlight the fact that he wants to heal this person in the room of something that they came in with. So does that, does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? Okay, so if we're all in, in here worshiping and some new people come in and all of us are like lower back pain. It's like I heard it, someone else felt it, someone else saw a picture of a lower back. 
you know, and we're kind of like putting our thoughts together. I'm getting lower back pain. What about you? you know, yeah. Does someone in the room need healing of lower back pain? And they stand up, boom, it's going to happen. We don't even have to hardly pray. We just know because God is highlighting. He's giving us a word of knowledge in advance. This is what he's going to heal. So anyway, this Friday session is going to be on words of knowledge regarding healing. And the second point, oh, so we don't need to interject a bunch of extra information. If God gives you something, just give what he gave you. You don't have to interpret it. You don't have to try to figure out all that it means. Sometimes, like we learned in our prophetic class, yellow shirt. Remember that, you guys? Um, for those of you who took the class, you guys were taking that too. So someone um, with a yellow shirt came to mind, and it was called out, but then there was extra stuff added to it. Well, the person with the yellow shirt stood up, and they got healed in that instance. Everything that was added to that yellow shirt word didn't even apply. It was like extra. So anyway, we don't need to add to what God's showing us. Also, words of knowledge and gifts of healing go together. Words of knowledge are not just for healing, but they do play a major role in it. So it's going to be a fun class. It's uh, Randy Clark's going to be teaching this one and the final one uh, the next week after this Friday, and that one will be the five-step uh, model for healing prayer. Water baptisms, we're planning it. No one's told us they want to get dunked yet, so I don't, I'm not going to look at anyone. But if, if you want to be water baptized and you haven't been, especially if you're really young in the room, <laughs> and, you, and you want to be water baptized, we will happily dunk you. Easter Sunday. We'll have a nice warm hot tub so it won't be cold. Yes. <laughs> we don't do cold. We don't, so just so you guys know, we're not campers. God bless you if you like to camp. That's, that's your prerogative. We don't like camping. We like luxuries of hotels with heated water, <laughs> heated swimming pools, coffee machines, you know, hair dryers already there so you don't have to bring your own because <clears throat> some so, of us need a hair dryer. That's right. So we will have a nice warm hot tub to dunk you in. <laughs> yes, we have a Craftsman no, um, a Coleman. Coleman inflatable hot tub with some nice LED lights inside <laughs> of it. It's got its own pump and heater and it can bubble. It'll be nice and co just cozy. It's like yeah. a jacuzzi tub. Yep. We'll have it right over there. We're going to get rid of the kids zone for that that special occasion and if you want to get baptized, just got to let us know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, if you don't want to, if you've already been baptized and you just want to hang out late that night, <clears throat> you can bring, not gonna happen. <laughs> bring some champagne or something. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, next Sunday, or should I say this, this coming Sunday, or next. Is it next or this coming? It's next? Okay. I always ask Jill, or Jill. Hi, Barbara. I'm glad you're here. I always ask Barbara these things because she's, you know, the walking dictionary and encyclopedia, and, and she's just, <laughs> met, yes, all of the above. It's, all so, that's right. <laughs> um, but next Sunday, we will have the Bethel students here, and it's going to be fun. So Very fun. I know it's not going to be a small group like this that come because there's a lot of people that have been, have been invited, and they plan on coming, and it's going to be a fun full house that Sunday so I'm looking forward to it we'll even have our own Emily and Clayton here That's because right. they'll come for that they just don't want to hear me preach so sorry I know <laughs> you guys have to put up with it but it's your choice and sure. be sad if you didn't stick around <laughs> <laughs>
Anyway, that's that. So you guys ready to worship? Yes. Why don't we, uh, why don't we stand? Can we stand, you guys? You can, you can sit back down after a little bit if you want. You know, it's your choice. You can move with you. Yeah. You know, we, we were praying uh, before, the, before everyone showed up. Um, There's a, a couple of us praying together and you're welcome to come at 5.15 to 5.45 and pray at the beginning, too, with us if you want. But we were just praying and really sensed the presence of God just coming upon our little prayer huddle. And it's, it's not just that he wants to show up while we're praying. He's here now. The presence of the Lord is in the room. The Bible says that there is no place on earth where we can go to hide from his presence. If I go to the highest heights or to the bottom of the ocean, no matter where I go, the Bible says, you are there with me. So if we can't get away from his presence, if his eyes, if the eyes of the Lord see us continuously, then we might as well acknowledge and recognize it now. If you want to use your imagination, imagine him here now because he's here. So with that reality, we're going to just ask him now to to sweep us into that place of intimacy with him, of, of a deeper encounter with him where we can pour out the things in our hearts to him. So let's pray. Yeah. Let's pray. Yeah. Holy Spirit, we just welcome your presence tonight. We thank you, God, that before we walked into this room, you were already here. You were with yes. us when we were driving here. You've come here to meet with us in this time of worship, you've, you've already predestined and predecided to pour your spirit out over us as we worship you tonight. So we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for your graciousness, your kindness and mercy, that you would come and that you would, you would lavish your presence over your sons and daughters, even when we aren't recognizing you. But we do now, God. We, we recognize and we turn our attention towards heaven we thank you jesus that your blood is sufficient that what you did on the cross is sufficient for each one of us to come boldly into your throne room tonight so we we acknowledge the blood of the lamb the blood of jesus that has removed our sin that has removed any obstacle that has previously stood in the way between us and you and we come into your presence tonight to worship you, Lord. Yes. We come to your throne room right now. We step into the, the heavenly realm to give you thanksgiving and praise. That you, Jesus, would, would be enthroned on our praise tonight. You would establish your kingdom upon our worship and in our lives. So we thank you, Lord. We just give you praise and we give you honor in Jesus' name. Thank 
Thank you, God, that we are in your presence. We are in the heavenly realm right now because where your spirit is, that is where the kingdom is at. That the kingdom of heaven is in the Holy Spirit. So we thank you that we are in your kingdom. We are standing right now or sitting in your presence, in the realm of your kingdom, in the rule and the reign of King Jesus. We thank you, God, we thank you tonight. We thank you that as we are here with you, that you have gifts, that you have good gifts to release to us tonight. Not because we've earned anything, we don't deserve anything, but because it's who you are. We acknowledge it's who you are. You're a good, good father. You're a good daddy. Even as we sang tonight, Daddy or Abba, Father, you're for us. Father, you're for us. You are here, Lord. I just saw tonight as we're worshiping the Lord releasing scrolls. They were like like graduation-looking scrolls that had red ribbons on them. And they're his gifts. We might be a small group tonight, but there are people here that he wants to give gifts to. And one of the gifts that I saw released was this, call it an adoption paper, call it whatever you want. It's, a, it's an official legal document that says you have received the spirit of sonship and you are no longer an orphan. And he wants to put it in your hand right now. He wants you to receive the spirit of sonship, the spirit of adoption. You are no longer an orphan. Tonight that orphan spirit has to go, it goes now. We just wave, wave goodbye to it. It's gone. That the Father of creation, the Father of heaven and Father of earth, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our heavenly Father, the one from whom every human being on earth derives its name and its purpose. He's releasing to you sonship. He says, you are my son, you are my daughter. 
I love you with an everlasting love. I love you so much that I sent Jesus to become your big brother to rescue you, to pull you up out of the pit of darkness and bring you up out of the darkness into his light. And he is such a good big brother that he's escorting you right into the very presence of the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit. offering us to put your hope in who he is. Our hope, as the scripture says in Hebrews, our hope in Jesus is like an anchor for the soul. Your hope in him is like an anchor for your soul, for your mind, your will, and your emotions, your soul. Hope in Jesus is like an anchor for your soul. And it takes you, as you hold fast to that hope, it takes you in through the curtain, past the veil, into the Holy of Holies, to the very throne room of God. It anchors you to his throne. It anchors you to his presence. Your hope in him is an anchor for your soul. Going beyond the veil, into the most holy place. So tonight, Lord, we just say we, we put our hope in you. My hope is in you, Lord. No matter what happens, no matter what happens in this world, no matter what comes our way in our nation, we will not lose hope because there's nothing that you are hopeless about. Therefore, there is nothing we should be hopeless about. Our hope is in you, Jesus. You are our provider. You are our protector. You are everything to us, Lord. Thank you that you are all we need, Lord. from class on Friday night was loving yourself. And I feel like he wants us to love ourselves. We need to see ourselves how he sees us. That he loves us with an everlasting love.
just invite anyone from the ministry team, which would be anyone who's gone through the prophetic training, uh, just to, to come up if you have a, a word, a prophetic word or a picture that the Lord showed you, or I can bring the microphone to you if you don't want to come up. But you should come up. You should. Don't, don't feel excluded if I didn't call your name. Um, there's a reason why we... I'm, I'm asking the people that have gone through our prophetic training time because there's a certain um, etiquette or protocol that we have in place when it comes to sharing those things. And so um, that's not to say that if you feel like God has shown you something that we wouldn't want to hear that, but I, I would invite you... Um, and this has happened lots of times. My brother-in-law, Dale, has told me the next day or then a week later or at the end of the meeting, the Lord was showing me something. Um, so we, we want you guys to share it with us. I felt like the Lord gave me a few words of knowledge. I talked about words of knowledge, what they were at the beginning, and I was like, why am I feeling this? And then he reminded me, of knowledge so I'm just going to call a few things out I mean there's only a handful of us here so it's either it's going to be one of you or none of you <laughs> um, the first thing I was feeling I was feeling almost like a headache and pressure and tension just like squeezing almost like something on the top of my head keeping me from breaking through it into a place of a deeper sense of his presence. So if that's you, then just stand up and we're going to pray and break it off if anyone has that. So I'll just look at everyone. Now I know some of you have had headache issues before. I'm not targeting you. So okay, that's you. Okay. Um, what do we do? supervisor this week. She's having 
a procedure done on her head because she was struggling with migraines, ongoing migraines. And Psalm 23 has a prophetic answer for every one of you. If, if you need a word, read Psalm 23. But the Lord led me to Psalm 23 for her, and I'm going to just I'm going to declare the same word over you. He he anoints your head with oil. The Lord has prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemy. He anoints your head with oil cup overflows. Lord, we just thank you for the release of your anointing oil, the oil of your spirit. Thank you, Lord. And when I, when I typed this word up, shipping I saw just like we're pulling a dark thin veil away so we're just gonna as an act a prophetic act we're just gonna pull that invisible thing off and we just just break it off now in Jesus name we just thank you Lord we thank you for the oil of your presence that's just like golden oil next thing I, I felt like the Lord told me was um, allergies. Now that, I don't know anything about anyone in this room who deals with allergies, but I heard allergies and fear of what's to come this spring. Like you're dreading the spring because it's allergy season. So if, if you want to receive, I, I believe that God wants to heal it tonight. Um, that's why I, I believe that's why I got the word. So if you have an issue with allergies, you can stand up and we're going to just we're just going to release what he has for you. We're going to take the scroll. We're going to put it spiritually. We're going to put the scroll in your hand that says you are now allergy free. I feel like you're on the edge of your seat there. Are you looking at, are you looking at Ed? There's nothing to be shy about here tonight. It's, it's just us. So. It's just, just family. Guys, why don't you do the same thing? Just stick your hands out towards, towards your sister. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Father, we just thank you for healing. We just command allergies to submit, to go away. And we just speak to her body and just say, submit to the word of God. We just release your healing over her right now, Father. God, we thank you, God. God, that 
you love her so much and that there's nothing she can do to earn your love, Father God. So we just command any allergies, any whatever's going on, Father, to go right now in Jesus' name. Yeah, yeah. Just put, put your hands out like you're going to receive something. So I'm just going to spiritually, uh, this is, there's nothing in my hand. I'm just going to put in your hands the scroll. I feel like the Lord was, was releasing these, these scrolls. It's like a, I, don't, I hate to just call it a scroll. It's like a written document, and I'm just going to put it in your hands now. It's there, and it, it just says you are now allergy-free. You are allergy-free. So we thank you, Father. We thank you for the gift of healing tonight over allergies. And anyone else in this room who struggles with it, God, we, tonight we just declare this is an allergy-free zone. This is an allergy-free people who do not have to fear what is coming this spring. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Okay. It's going to keep on. There's only one other thing, I think. Ah. So I, I saw this in my spirit. I just saw... I can't even describe it. It's almost like what you'd see in a movie. It's like a muddy, muddy hillside, and it was dark, kind of like when it's dark and wet outside. And let's pretend you're in a horror movie and you're running from the, the killer, and it just was like slipping. And I so and I felt like the Lord was saying that someone might feel like they're on a slippery path that they could fall at any moment, and if if they do, like there's this sense of dread that you could fall at any moment and that you may not be able to even recover. I know that's kind of a dark one. It's a dark word. But if you're feeling, so this is what we're going to do. I'm just going to ask every, so I, I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable or embarrassed. So let's just, all of us, why don't we just close our eyes? Can we do that? Just close our eyes and put out our hands before the Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, we just recognize tonight that that fear doesn't come from you. That, that that worry and that fear of slipping and falling and not being able to get back up again, that a, that a very dark ending is in store, that that does not come from you. So tonight, Lord, we break off that spirit of fear. Now, it has to go. It just goes now. Jesus' name, it goes. We take authority over the spirits and principalities of darkness that might be at work in any person in this room, and we bind it now in Jesus' name, and we command it to go. You have no place here, and we release your spirit, Holy One. We release your spirit, Lord Jesus. We release life. We, re we release hope. We, we declare protection, protection, the faithfulness of God over your lives, faithfulness of God. He's big, he's mighty God. When we were singing that cornerstone song, I felt like I could see the cornerstone right in front of me, but it was 
like I'm, I'm on the sidewalk and there's this big cornerstone. And Jesus is saying, come climb up on top of my shoulders. Come up on top of the cornerstone. It's very spacious up here. His shoulders, if you wanna see it as his shoulders, stand upon the rock, the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. You will not slip. He's inviting you to build your life on the firm foundation of his faithfulness and his truthfulness. He's faithful and true to everything he promises. He will not let your foot slip. I just, right now, I, I just see his hand pulling, pulling someone up out of the slipperiness and placing your feet on this, this giant cornerstone block. He's saying, this is where I'm inviting you to build your life from here on out, to build your life right here upon the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. Thank you, Lord. Yes, I just declare life and freedom declare boldness and courage Father God courage to climb up there with you and to let go to let go of the unknown and to trust you God make that we make that exchange we say here's our fear of the unknown that's not even from you it's from the enemy but God we give it to you in exchange we get freedom get freedom and we get life. Thank you, I just keep getting that verse. He pulled me from the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and put praises in my mouth. And so I, I think that's so appropriate. Shift gears. This is the time. If you, <laughs> I won't even say it. It's our, our private joke. This is the time. I, I feel like um, so. This is kind of this is kind of the flow that I feel like God's given us as a church. Our highest priority in this house is worship, because it's in the place of worship that the presence of God comes. It's biblical. I can look up the scriptures if you want them later. I'll pull up the references, the exact address of the verses. But in the place of worship, the presence of God comes and the atmosphere around us shifts. Praise is your greatest weapon. 
when you're going through darkness, when you're going through feeling trapped, if you feel like you're in a prison, praise your way out. Paul and Silas in the book of Acts had been beaten and whipped because they were preaching the gospel and they were imprisoned and they were taken to the innermost chamber of the prison, shackled to the wall. And it says in that story at midnight, midnight, they began to lift their voices in worship. They began to give thanks and praise to Jesus. Think about it up for yourself. In, in your darkest moment, when you, you could choose to think, God, have you abandoned me? Why am I in this place, this prison? Why am I in this? Why did I just get beaten for you? But what was, and then think about their response. Why did they give a response to taking a beating for Jesus and then being put in prison, probably the worst kind of prison you could imagine. I'm sure it smelled real nice in there. Probably little furry critters with long leathery tails crawling around by their feet. In that place, because of their perspective on life and the encounters that they've had, they had had with Jesus, the presence of God in their lives, they knew that even in the darkest place, they were not alone and he would not leave them abandoned in that forever. Now, we all know stories of, of people who actually end up dying for their faith. There are people that are martyrs, martyrs for Jesus. They actually face death and are sometimes put to death. Christians in China, Christians in Muslim countries are often killed and it's not just, you know, oh, we're just going to take you out back and shoot you. No, they probably do really terrible things to family members in front of other family members, which we don't even need to allow our, our imaginations to go there. But the worst of the worst of what people can cre create and come up with because they're inspired by demonic forces is what often happens. But in the case with Paul and Silas, they began to sing praise at midnight after being whipped, after being shackled to the wall in that dark dungeon-like prison, they began to lift their voices in worship. And it says that there was a, a great rumbling or a shaking in that place, like an earthquake, and all of the shackles of every prisoner in that place broke open. Everyone. The, door, the prison doors basically clink, everything's open. Shackles fell off. And it freaked out the jailer to the point where he was ready to kill himself because he thought all the prisoners were gone and he would have to answer for it. He was getting ready to, to stick a sword in his own body. And Paul and Silas rose up and said, don't do it. We are all here. Everyone's here. And he was able to minister the, the gospel. He was able to preach Jesus to the jailer so much to that him and his whole household came to faith. So praise is your weapon. Praise can shift the atmosphere. Praise and worship, the devil hates it. If you're feeling oppressed by the enemy, worship your way through it. We sang it, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's a declaration of your faith, of your worship of the one who is holding your hand through the darkness and through the thick of it all. So, 
back to where I began with this, in this house, our greatest, most important priority is worship. And I would encourage you to practice worship on your own, in your own home, when you're by yourself, if, if, you're, if you're nervous about how your voice might sound to your neighbor, hey, if they're singing loud enough, they're not going to hear you. I mean, maybe they will, but, you know, who cares? God wants to hear your voice. He, he loves the sound of your voice. It may sound terrible to you musically, but he wants to hear it. He loves his children. He loves his sons and daughters, and he loves to hear their voice. So worship is our number one aim in this gathering. And from that place, we, we experience and welcome the presence of God to come in, and we want him to have his way in our meetings. So we make room for the gifts of the Spirit to flow. So we want to hear the words of knowledge, prophetic words. Um, we want to minister healing. And we want to just, things that I speak out. I, I personally, I would prefer it to be what the Lord is just moving on at the moment. And because we are Christians and we are a church, we want to have a place for the Word of God to be preached. So it's not that it's of least importance, but sometimes we save the best for the last, right? So I always have the scriptures ready, and I, and I felt like we got to go into Ephesians because Ephesians is such a, a powerful book of the Bible. It's not as long as Hebrews. It's not 13 chapters. That took us, when did you say we started going through it? last August. We didn't always get to it every Sunday. Sometimes we would have to just put it aside. Other times we would get into a couple verses of it and then we'd have to come back to it the next week. It's 7.39 and 32 seconds and counting. We'd probably take about 15 to 20 minutes. My goal, if, if we're going to go into the scriptures and do a little preach, preach and teach, that we would be done by 8 o'clock so we can fellowship. Now, it is in our hearts that someday as this church grows and leaders come in that, that God brings us, that we would be able to have midweek house gatherings like on a Tuesday or a Thursday or whatever nights, various home groups, because we want the church not to just, just to be a Sunday meeting. We, we want to encourage connection to happen between each other so that we can do our, our lives together as much as possible. Yeah, we, most of us, we all work jobs. Not everyone has a full-time job, but, but we either work or we have things that we are, are busy doing during the week. But it's important. There's a value that we have to build relationally and that that doesn't just happen on a Sunday. You know, some of you, we have yet to, well, no, actually, you've been to my house before, but that, that, was, you know, that wasn't like just a strategic connection time just you know that was a birthday party what i'm trying to say is we just want to we want to encourage that relational connection between one another as much as possible so that we can have this a deeper sense of connection and family that goes beyond a sunday now right now we have sundays wednesdays and friday gatherings so that kind of sucks up a lot of your week and so you probably are thinking, well, I wouldn't have time for much else. But, you know, down the road, we're hoping that that would be something that we would have available to people, even if it's once a month or, or twice a month we have a home meetings. Something special about house church or house gatherings. It's not just another church service. It's a time for us just to really get to know each other 
more deeply and pray for one another more personally and step out in the gifts, which would be in a different setting other than a Sunday in this place. You know, there's a little bit more of a filter that we want to have in place on a Sunday night. In a home meeting, the filters really don't need to be there. We can just give people room to step out and experiment with flowing in the gifts of the Spirit, challenging and encouraging one another. What do you feel like the Lord's saying to you? And then speaking that out. So, you guys good? Everybody good? Yeah, you're just like, can we be done now? Get on with it. There we go. Okay, Dad. Okay, so let's get on with it. So let's, here's a quick um, outline of Ephesians, the book. Are we going to stand the whole time yeah. or do you want to sit? Okay, we're going to back up then. Can you guys see everything? Are we in the way? No. I guess if you're over here and I still, okay, so you're good. So if you didn't know, the book of, the, I shouldn't call it a book. It's a letter. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus, but actually some of the early manuscripts of this book, keep calling it a book, of this letter did not say to the Ephesians. It wasn't addressed to the church in Ephesus. That was often left blank in some of these letters. So it's believed that this this letter to the church in Ephesus was actually meant to be um, dispersed amongst the other churches in that area and passed on. You know, they didn't have Facebook. They didn't have fake book. They didn't have texting. They couldn't get the messages in an instant across the world like we can today, which is amazing that we can actually do that now. They had to take things and scribe them, transcript them down word for word to make sure everything was accurate, and then carefully transport it to, from one city to the next with couriers. So imagine how complicated it was, but God was faithful to protect and preserve his, the written word. And this was given to the churches. So not just the Ephesians. As it says there, the audience would be the church of Ephesus and the surrounding area churches. It was about 60 to 62 AD. So that's uh, AD, Anno, Anno Domini, the year of the Lord. I don't know the exact date when Jesus was um, crucified and buried and rose again, but it's, we, we don't count from his death, burial, and resurrection when the AD begins. But basically about 60-ish years after Jesus went, ascended back into heaven. Um, it's a letter. The major themes of this letter are salvation and grace, God's power, church unity, and Christian conduct and identity. It's probably one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's an easy one to read, but it, but it just covers the whole gamut of kingdom living for Christians. And, and as... Uh, the Passion Translation, Brian Simmons, the author of the Passion Translation, wrote in some of the footnotes at the beginning, um, it's kind of like the Constitution, like we have the United States Constitution. The book of Ephesians is like, the letter of, to the Ephesians, is like a con the Constitution for Christians. It's like our, our rules for life and kingdom understanding. And then the outline of it is there's an opening in the first two verses. The church's heavenly call from chapter 1 to chapter 3. The church's earthly conduct from chapter 4 through 6. And then the closing of the letter. So you guys ready? Here we go. I wasn't going to wait for you to say, yes, we're ready. Because I know my dad would just say, get on with it. Okay. So chapter 1, verse 1. And we're probably only going to get through the first 14, I think is what I had up there. First 14 verses. Dear friends, my name is Paul. And I was chosen by God 
to be an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah. I'm writing this letter to all the devoted believers who have been made holy by being one with Jesus, the anointed one. May God himself, the heavenly father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Now we could just soak that up by itself for a week because that's packed full of good stuff. You might be thinking, well, where is it? We'll do that. We'll just back up a little bit here. First of all, if you don't know what an apostle is, it's not an ordinary, everyday English word. Um, if you're a Christian, you've heard of apostles. You know that there were the 12 apostles. And the word apostle just means sent one. It's a, it was a Roman cultural word that was used to describe someone who's like an ambassador. Apostolic people or soldiers or governors or leaders had an apostolic mandate in the Roman culture to go from Rome into all of the ends of the earth and culturalize or Romanize every city that they were taking territory over. So the New Testament uses that word apostle as sent ones with the idea that we as this, as an apostolic people, you don't have to be an apostle to be apostolic, by the way, because Jesus is our great apostle. He's the chief apostle. We have a mandate from heaven to have an apostolic heart or an apostolic outlook on life. That means we should be looking outward to where the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Jesus, the rule and reign of Jesus needs to go out and expand into. Any place in the world that, that we can think of in our neighborhoods, in your own life, that doesn't quite look like heaven, that is a target for an apostolic mission. That is where the chief apostle, Jesus, and us Christians with an apostolic heartbeat want to take the power and presence of God and establish the kingdom of Jesus in those areas of life. You can begin, it, it's like a ripple effect. It begins with you, and then it goes into your family, and then it goes into your, maybe your neighborhood or your workplace, and then to your city, and it just continues to expand outward. Does, it, does that make sense? Yes. Amen. Okay. Move on. Move on, Scott. You guys, you can get loud if you want. You know? just, no one's going to look at you and be like, shh. There you go. <laughs> Amen. Something. I need some sound. You guys could pretend like we're in one of those, like, you know, really rowdy black churches where they're like hallelujah amen then we can get tammy on some keyboards she goes do that okay and some drum yeah yeah there we go slapping your leg get the tambourines out come on got get some excitement in this place so paul was chosen by god to be an apostle a sent one an apostle of jesus he wrote this letter to all the devoted believers who have been made holy by being one with Jesus, the anointed one. If, if there's nothing else that we can walk away with tonight, you need to, to know that because of Jesus, because of what he has done for you, you are now holy. You are holy. Just look at yourself in the mirror. <laughs> look at your neighbor if you want. And just tell the person closest to you, the word of God says you are holy. Oscar, you are holy. 
If Jesus is in your life, if you gave your life to Jesus, you have become one with him. His spirit has come into your body and joined himself with your once dead spirit man, dead towards God at least. Not fully dead because there is a second death that can be faced once we die in this physical body. If you don't know Jesus, you die twice. You die once physically and then on to the second death. That's what the Bible calls it. If you know Jesus, you only have to die once because you have eternal life. His spirit comes to live inside of you, joining himself with your spirit, your ghost on the inside, now has this new life in it. You've become a new creature in Christ. And the Bible declares you, you are declared holy because your life is now hidden in Christ. When God the Father sees you and I, he sees our lives hidden in Jesus. Our lives are tucked away in, in the anointed one, in the Messiah, in Jesus. We are now a part of his body. Amen. Someone said, there we go. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. There we go. Need to like, rob a bunch of seals from the zoo or something. Have okay. So, then we, we read, may God himself, the heavenly father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Some of your versions would say grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace or total well-being, it's not just a, a feeling of tranquility. The peace of God that God has for us, that he wants us to be able to step into and experience, is a total well-being for our lives from head to toe. Not just a feeling. It's more than a feeling. I could sing the Boston song, but I won't. Okay, here we go. Sonship and the Father's plan, verse 3. And we could probably end with this. Maybe we should. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped up into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. Our lives, again, as, as I was saying, our lives are now hidden in Christ. We have been wrapped up in Jesus. Every spiritual blessing that is available from heaven in the heavenly realm has been made available to us. We are just beginning to unpack what that is. We are learning as a people how to, how to take the power of declarations and pull from what we know is in heaven what is promised in heaven the the yes and amens of what jesus has has made available to us and to declare those things that are in heaven and speak those things into the earth we're just beginning we're only tapping into it yeah we've been practicing this for a while but it manifests in things like healing it manifests in things like shifting spiritual atmospheres around us you don't have to be a prisoner to the spiritual environment around you. You carry heaven within you, and you are a pipeline or a gateway for the presence of God, the kingdom of heaven, to come in and through you and be released out of you. Out of your bellies, rivers of living water will flow, Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. So you are a dispenser, you are a releaser of the kingdom of heaven. 
And every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has been given to us or given access to, to, to each one of us. There is no closed heaven over any one of your lives. Bill Johnson says the only closed heaven is between your ears. Think about it for a minute. If you believe that you have a closed heaven, that heaven just doesn't, doesn't shower anything down, doesn't come in and through you, it's, it's about beliefs. It's about your revelation and understanding and beliefs in what is true. See, there's a truth of what you're experiencing right now on earth, and your, your earthly experience may not feel like heaven is invading it, but there's a higher truth. It doesn't change the higher truth because you're going through something that's not very kingdom-like or very heavenly on earth. There's a higher truth, and, and the higher truth is what we need to grab hold of and bring it into our present earthly experience. And that often becomes available through our declarations. When we, when we read about it, you read it in the word, you see the promises of God in the Bible. The book of Colossians says that all of the promises of God in the word of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Everything. Jesus has purchased access for you and I to, to take hold of every promise of God because in Jesus they're already yes and they're already amen. He has already paid the price and removed any obstacles that should keep you and I from receiving the riches of heaven in our lives, whatever that might look like. As that scripture says, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift. God is not cheap and he's not stingy and he, he's not tight-fisted. He's a generous God. He loves generosity and he, because he is generous. And he gives good gifts to his children. A lot of what has to happen for us guys, I'll look to myself, I'll point to my own face, I have to change the way I think. I have to be renewed in the way my mind works. I have to become more kingdom-minded and less earthly-minded. Oftentimes, growing up in the church, people would say stuff like, yeah, you know, you can become so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good. I've heard that. I don't know if you guys ever heard that. You, you just, you can be no earthly good if you're so kingdom-focused. That's, that's a lie. We, we are stuck here on earth. You're in a flesh tent. You're going to walk in this body until it gives out someday. There's, you can't get any more earthly than that. We need heaven to invade our brains. Jesus prayed. He taught us how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on the earth. He's, he taught us to pray. Pull the kingdom of heaven into earth and, and declare it to be done in our lives. Part of our, our church name, Legacy City Church, when we heard the name Legacy from our previous mayor, uh, Patty Lent, she had coined over Bremerton a motto. She said, Bremerton, the Legacy City. And we we're like, ooh, we liked it. And I don't think it went very far with, with that motto for our city. You know, you've got Paulsbo, the little Norway or little something little sweden little norway <clears throat> you can tell a norwegian by the way you just can't tell them much but anyway that's a side note um no offense no offense it's just a joke okay so bremerton 
is the legacy city. And we, we looked at, we felt like God highlighted that to us because when you look at the word legacy, it means inheritance. It means what you get passed on to you, the riches and the wealth and the treasures that get passed on to you. That is your legacy. That is your inheritance. And in Jesus, we've received an inheritance that we have yet to wrap our minds around. Some of us in the room have experienced measures of the kingdom of heaven being poured out on your life. You've received healings. You've received um, freedom. You've received restoration. You've received provision and breakthrough and jobs and all kinds of good stuff. But there's more. And that's the kind of stuff that God has for his children. He has favor for your life. Anyway, okay. Because you're wrapped up in Jesus. So it's important to begin and end there. Let your life be wrapped up in Jesus. What are you thinking? Let's look at the next one. It's 7.58 and 39 seconds. One minute and 20 seconds. I'll read fast. I might start speaking in tongues if I go too fast. Verse 4, And in love he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. So this would be a good place for us to, to land. We'll take two parts. First of all, he chose us. You have been chosen by God. I don't think you need to try to wrap your mind around it. You don't have to think, well, but then that means some people aren't chosen. You know, the Bible says that many are called, but few are chosen. We have a part to play in responding to Jesus. When you got saved, when you gave your life to Jesus, you were responding to his voice. The Bible says that God wishes that nobody would perish, but that all would come to repentance. So the heart of God, we have to start with the, the standard of his nature and character. He is just, he is good, he is loving, and he is kind, and he doesn't want anyone to perish. He actually wants all people to come to repentance. He wants all people on planet Earth past, present, and future, to come to faith in his son. He paid a high price on the cross. Jesus paid a high price on the cross when he came to this earth and allowed himself to be nailed to that wooden tree, that cross. He bore the weight, the penalty of all of the sins of all of humanity on the cross. Not just the chosen ones. So five-point Calvinists would say, and we're not Calvinists, you know, he had some good points, but a five-point Calvinist, you know, they have the letters T-U-L-I-P, tulip, to, uh, to uh, remind you of what the five points are. Um, the L in tulip is limited atonement. So Calvinists, true five-point Calvinists, believe that the atonement, Jesus only died for the sins of those who are going to be saved. That's not, that's not what I see in the Word of God. The Word of God says he bore the sins of the world in his body on the cross. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. By his stripes, we are healed. We are forgiven. We are atoned for through the blood of Jesus. He carried the weight of the whole entire cosmos when he went to the cross. So he wants everyone to be saved. He already carried the weight of everyone's sin. He paid the price. Now it's up to the sons and daughters of planet Earth the sons of man, the daughters of mankind, 
to respond to him, to respond to his gift of taking away your sin penalty and receiving it. God offers the free gift of forgiveness, of, of a transfer of total debt removed because he paid the price. And it's up to man, women and men, boys and girls, to receive it. See, Jesus died for my sins before I came to know him. But I didn't receive the gift of that payment of my sins being forgiven until I asked him to come into my life and received him as my Lord, as my Savior. So there's a transfer. It's like a, a transfer of deed or a transfer of title. You're saying, Jesus, I see that you have paid the, the full price of my forgiveness and you hold in your hand this new agreement from heaven, this new testament, this, this will, this new will of God. I will receive that as I hand over to you the title of my life. It's like taking a new life that he's offering you and giving him your old life. Transfer of ownership. I'm no longer my own. I was bought with a price. I was bought with the precious blood of Jesus. So that's the first part. He's chosen us. And because of his great love for us, he has ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. So not only does, does God, what's the word I'm looking for, positionally give you holiness, because in Christ you have already been declared and made holy. When you stand before God one day, the holiness of Jesus covers you. You have been totally covered through Jesus and his holiness. So does that mean I can live however I want to live? I can live like an angel, die like a devil? No, no. Live like a devil, and, but, but be wrapped up in Jesus and his perfection and holiness? No, the Bible tells us that we are to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We are to be led by the Spirit of God. And that means the choices that we make we allow the Holy Spirit to show us the things that need to be laid down, the sins that need to die. In fact, in Romans, it's, it says, Paul wrote to the church in Rome, put to death, therefore, the misdeeds of the flesh by the Holy Spirit. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive unto God in Christ. There's a, there's a, a decision or a, an attitude of the mind where we, we reckon, we consider ourselves already dead, already dead to sin. The, the power cord has been plugged. Sin is no longer my master. I, it has no power or authority over me anymore because of Jesus. But now I have a, a responsibility to produce the fruit of what he did for me, to allow his spirit to lead me and guide me. The Bible says the sons and daughters of God are led by the spirit of God. So if we, are, if we are genuine sons and daughters of God, then we're following his lead. We are allowing him to lead us. And he's not leading us to stay in, in sin. There's, he has grace for us because where sin abounds, grace does abound all the more. But he says in, in Romans that we are not to use his grace as a license to sin. So it's not something that God wants for us to stay in a lifestyle of disobedience and sin because Jesus has already credited his righteousness to us. His holiness has been given to us as a covering. Now, from the inside out, 
We want that life of holiness and purity to manifest. Being heavenly, I was thinking that phrase, being heavenly minded. And when we are heavenly minded, then we don't want to do all those other things because we want to please him. And in saying that, you can never gain more of his love by doing or less of it by doing. But it just causes us, when we're being heavenly minded, it causes us just to want to, to, want to please him and to want to live a life that represents him well. Good. Yeah, one way to think of it, we're going to end, we're, we're done. We're not going to go on to the next verse because it's already six after. See how that happens. One, one way to look at this in your relationship with God, think of your relationship with your best friend or a, your spouse. If I have a relationship with Jesus, then my cooperation and my obedience to what he's asking me to do because of what he did for me on the cross, by taking away my sin, my mountain, my Mount Rainier-sized pile of sin that he, he forgave, my, my response needs to be, I'll do anything you want. I'll, I'll go anywhere you want me to go, whatever you want. My life is now yours. And, and it's that, in that place of, of surrender and yielding myself to him, that I become intimate with him. See, he wants intimacy with you and me. He wants a relationship. And what happens when we sin and we're disobedient? It causes distance. It causes shame to come in. He doesn't put it on you. It just causes, when I sin, I'm ashamed of myself. Okay, it doesn't matter what it is. I could, I could just think curse words at a car that is tailgating me. You don't even want to know what those words could be. You'd probably be like, I ain't never listening to you again. You're the pastor, and you think <laughs> words like that? Hey, just like you guys. <laughs> I know that, that the things that I think or the words that I say or the actions that I do, if they don't please him, it invites an opening. It invites an opportunity for the devil, the enemy, to come and try to grab onto that and, and bring shame and lies now maybe the devil doesn't get in every time we open up a door or we or we allow our our foot to stick out he doesn't always grab it like a foothold sometimes he does sometimes it's just self-condemnation sometimes when we make mistakes we just condemn ourselves we feel shameful we're embarrassed and then we doubt we're like god if i'm truly saved why did i do what i did why did i think the thoughts that i think God has grace for us. There is a garden soil that he wants you and I to grow in called grace. Grace is not a license to keep doing what you want to do. Grace is an empowering, nourishing gift of God for you and I to grow in. The Bible says grow in the grace of God. It is grace that teaches us to say yes to holiness and no to sin. So why don't we stand up? <laughs> or I'll just keep on preaching. So it's the grace of God that teaches us to say no to sin and yes to godliness. Yes to Jesus. So Lord, we just, tonight, we just say yes to you. Lord, we want to respond to your grace this evening by saying yes 
to your voice. Where you go, I want to go. What you say, I want to say. Where you lead me, I want to follow. Lord, I know you're not leading me into sin. You're leading me out of it because you have so much more for me. And it's the same for everyone in this room. You're leading us because you have great things ahead for us. Great responsibilities. So God, we just, we present to you this evening all that we are. We, we bring our character before you. And we say, because we belong to you, we're inviting you to inspect us and to make the adjustments that you want us to make by your power and by your grace. So Lord, we just give you thanks, God. We, we thank you tonight for your unfailing love and your, your faithfulness towards us. We thank you that it is you who, who is at work in every one of us to will and to act according to your good purposes. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you that it begins and ends with you, Lord, so that you get all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.